You're listening to After The Jack, a McPherson Media Group production. Hello and welcome to the grand final edition of After The Jack. I'm your host Tyler Ma here in the Shepparton News Studio and it all comes down to this uh, weekend pennant in the Golden Valley playing area um, comes to fruition on Saturday and just gone we've had the midweek pennant Tuesday Grand Finals, which we will get right into. But uh, as always, by my side is Ash Williamson. Ash, welcome back to the show and uh, the, the final one of the year. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's all comes down to this. And uh, the biggest show of the year, jam-packed edition. We've got a lot to cover and um, our studio is one short. Where, where is the great man? Uh, I've heard rumours that he's done well at the uh, Shepparton Park St. Patrick's Day tournament and he might be still revelling in some of his uh, his winning ways. Yeah, he might be in, on the Guinness or something like that. I'm, uh, I have heard he's on his way and no doubt he'll regale us with his efforts at the St. Patrick's Day tournament. But uh, Brian will be here soon, but we'll get into midweek pennant grand final Results, Tyler. Uh, it was a it was a busy day on Tuesday. Some grand finals at Stanhope uh, and Nagambi as well. Uh, I understand. So we'll start with Division Five, and this one came right down to the wire. It was uh, Shepparton and Park, the victors by one shot there on that occasion against uh, Yarrawa, I believe it was. Uh, Rob Gardam was the hero for Shep Park. They only have two rinks in this competition. Uh, his rink was successful by five shots. Uh, the other rink was decided by four shots, uh, and therefore Shep Park won the Division Five Premiership by a shot. Great result for for Shep Park. Just looking at some of the players there to enjoy Premiership success. You know, Rob Gardam's someone who's sort of been a bit of a part time bowler. His um, his partner Joy is uh, in Shep Park's Division Two midweek side and shows a lot of potential. And Rob sort of picked up the game as she's got interested in recent years. So. He's going to um, hopefully step up through the grades as the years progress. And, you know, people like Mark Keane and Moira Smith, right, really good club stalwarts who are able to savour in some premiership success there on on Tuesday. So well done to Shep Park's Division 5 side. And, look, that result, um, you know, they, they did beat Yaroa by 12 shots in the qualifying. Uh, it was much closer on, on Tuesday, but they just managed to get the job done. So well done to Shep Park in Division 5. And wasn't the only sex, uh, success for Shep Park on the day, but um, the, we'll get to that in some of the higher divisions. Uh, what about Division 4, Ash? Division 4, yep, the grand final. Uh, I believe this one was also played at Nagambi as well. Alexandro defeated Eildon 66 shots to 62. Uh, 12 well, 12 rink points to four, not that that means anything, but they only won one rink, which is um, big in the overall result there. So looking at the rink scores, um, I can't bring them up at the moment as uh, as the great man arrives here. Uh, rink one was uh, a one-shot victory to Ray Holt, 19-18 for Eildon, uh, but the decisive rink was uh, Brian's man, Bob Bengami, 31-21 over Sharon Hall, and Jim Wilhouse for Eildon won 22-17. But Alexandra got the spoils there. I'm pretty sure they overturned the result from... Oh, no, they did win the qualifying final 64-50. Uh, sorry, was that Eildon? No, Alexandra won the qualifying final and also won the grand final in a much closer result, 66-62. Division 3, welcome, Brian. You're here, mate. I'm here. You're here? Welcome, everybody, to yeah. the... 
Last show of uh, after the Jack. Yeah, we're just going through the midweek grand final results, mate. We're up to Division 3. Uh, Shepparton Park were also successful in this grade as well, beating Seymour Vowry quite comfortably, 75-53. Uh, they also played off in the qualifying finals. Only eight shots on that occasion, and Barry Nelson's rink was decisive on that day. Um, but Shep Park far too good in the in the big dance, winning all the rinks on offer. Uh, Wes Gibbs, 24-13 over Wayne Noonan. Uh, Murray Phillips, 24-22 over Joe Purcell, who I believe is the, was the top skip in that division. And uh, Barry Nelson, 27-18 over Greg Jones. So a second premiership there for Shep Park in the midweek. Uh, looking at Division 2, uh, this one was quite lopsided. Shep Golf, who sort of snuck in in the last round, finished fourth, uh, and then rode that momentum all the way through to the grand final and gave Shep Park, who um, they won the qualifying final, got the easy passage into the, the decider. But no match for Shep Golf. 98-55, uh, all rinks up for Shep Golf there. Um, Shep Park's side was a little bit unsettled going in, uh, and I do want to send my well wishes again to, to Dennis Smythe, who's um, been down in hospital down in Melbourne again, having some procedures done. Um, so hopefully he's on the men there, Dennis, and um, obviously his wife, Marg, who plays in the Division Two side, was down there as well. But she rushed back to play in the grand final, and um, me and Elmasad stepped up to replace Dennis, but um, it was too much for Park to overcome on the day. Uh, John Dagger, 32-21 over Heath Matthews. Frank Ivac, 37-10 over Bev Thorne. And Daryl Fallon, who's um, been a bit of a giant killer in this final series, 29-24 over Calvin Rogash. Brian, we'll let you do the main clash, which was in the Edna Harling Shield Division 1. Shepherd and Golf versus East Shep. Yeah, uh, just just before I do that, just touch on Breeder uh, uh, Ivac, Daryl Barley, Ken Cooper and Frank Ivac's rink. Had a fantastic final series. The win by 27 over a quality player like Ben Thorne's rink. There were two eights recorded in this game. Ah, yes. I think Daryl Fallon got one. I'm not 100%, but I, I believe it was his rink. And Heath Matthews got one for Park. That doesn't happen very often. Well, you're lucky to get maybe one a season, let alone two, two in the same pennant match, which is unheard yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Um, Movie. Division one, yeah, Division one. This was a this was a nail biter, Brian. A tremendous grand final stand up where the rinks were never more than three shots apart. Saw the match go to the very last bowl after Robbie Betts and Perler secured them shot, and that was on uh, whose rink was that on? Robbie Betson. He he was with uh, Papa Wayne, Gribble. Wayne Gribble. Yep. yep, and Graham Barber's valiant conversion shot. Just missed in the same game, missed its target. And if he would have got the shot bowl out, East Shep had three or four seconds. And on Stacey Collier, John Stokes' uh, rink, Shep goal for four down. This is uh, the second last end of the game. Yep. Um, and John Stokes drove, put the kitty in the ditch, his bowl next to it to keep the, the match alive. Yeah, look. So what a finish. Yeah, look, Shep Golf ended up winning by four shots overall. And look, well done to Shepard. And I mean, they've come all the way from the elimination final. They beat Shep Park when they probably weren't fancied. Um, they beat Kybram in the preliminary final when they weren't fancied and almost did the unthinkable and, and, and won the premiership, defeating Shep Golf as well. So looking at those final ring scores, Stacey Collier defeated John Stokes 22-21, but Brian touched on how important 
Um, John Stokes was in the overall picture. Uh, Wayne Gribble beat Graham Barber 22-18. And uh, Chris Wright defeated Lynn Barber 25-24. But, you know, that's what you want grand finals to be, isn't it, Brian? You know, two, the two sides that deserve to be there and it coming right down to the to the dying moments. Yeah, certainly. I'll, well, that's the third final I'd taken in in, a, in uh, four days and we saw two shots on the Saturday preliminary final between Shep Golf, uh, between uh, Kyabram and Tully. Yep. I went to Bendigo, there was one shot in it between Bendigo, Bendigo East and then it finished up four shots. But when the last in started, there was one shot the difference. Yeah, look, and, um, you know, well done to Shep Golf, another top flight uh, midweek premiership there for them. Uh, commiserations to East Shep, you know, that would have been history for their club and, you know, certainly given their their um, struggles with the weekend pennant um, depth and things like that, it would have been a big fillip for, for East Shep and if they were able to jag the, the, the Edna Harling Shield, the Division 1 midweek. Uh, premiership as well, so um, hopefully they'll they'll continue to be up there again next season. But um, you know they've done well to progress from Division Two to Division One and, and go within inches really of, of claiming the flag. Yeah, I think the success in the midweek uh, Division One and Two will see the majority of players stay and play midweek uh, next season. Hopefully. All right, well, that's um, midweek bowls for uh, this season. Uh, Brian, what, what have you got on the agenda next? Weekend review and preview, Saturday the 11th for March, preliminary finals. Yep. In Division 7, Violet Town capitalised on their double chance when they counted for Eildon by nine shots at Nagambi, and we'll get another shot at Rushworth at Avenal. Good to see the smaller clubs getting finals, like... Nagambi and Avenal. Yep. Minor Premier's Violet Town to avenge its quarter, a qualifying final defeat and win the flag. Yeah, I agree. I think Violet Town will get the job done. Yeah, look, I think they're prime. They've earned, earned the second crack. They've gone the hard way and I think they'll be hardened for the grand final on Saturday. Yeah, they'll just get over the top of uh, Rushworth. It'll be a game well worth going to see. Division 6. Kai Abram by five shots in a close one against Sharoa in the preliminary final. Two rinks to one at Nagambi. They will take on Ye in the big one, and Ye will prove too good at Shep Park Bowling Club. Gary Oliver's rink for Ye has lost only one game for the season and should prove the difference. I think Ye will be too strong, but I think it's, um, you know, this is one of four Kai Abram sides in the grand final this weekend, which is. Just a magnificent effort mm. from the club as a whole. Um, I, I don't think this particular side will get up, but um, I, I think it, it's just a, a great um, applause for, for what they've done. They've been able to bring in so much talent at the top, yeah. but it, it's filtered down rather than dispersed out. Yeah, look, I think it's indicative of the of the recruiting drive they had for the top grades, and, and obviously it's really strengthened their depth up across the board. I think Ye's been the benchmark all year, obviously, in Division 6, and... Um, will probably flex its muscles again in the in the group big one on Saturday. But, uh, you know, well done for Kai for having so much representation in the grand finals. And, look, it's probably been a long time since they've been in this position. We're used to sort of seeing Shep Golf and maybe a little bit before that Shep Park. But um, well done to Kai for having four sides in. Yeah, I'd like to reiterate your uh, Tyler and Ash's comments here. Division 5, minor Premier Alex, exit in straight sets, being thrashed by Eild by 29 shots. With Ray Holtz ranked by 20 and Ivan Sutcliffe's ranked by 17. 
over Bob Bagami's rink from Alex. Eildon's recent form has been excellent and they will enter the big dance supremely confident of toppling favourites, Dookie. Dookie boasts some experienced quality campaigners in Neil Swainson, Deathsort, Bill Kirby and Speedy Ryan, whereas Eildon's players are not known generally in the GV due to their locality. However, on form, they are a big chance and I predict they will succeed. So I'm going for Eildon. Yeah, look, this was the turn-up probably of the preliminary final results given that, um, you know, they're bundled out in straight sets, Alex. Um, look, I think I think Eildon will take a, a lot of confidence going into the grand final against Dookie. Um, you know, you mentioned the experience that those guys have got from Dookie, Speedy Ryan, Bill Kirkby. Um, but I'm backing Eildon to ride that momentum in the grand final and take the chocolates. Dookie for me, uh, promotion to Div 4 on the cards and I think they can secure it. Division 4, Kai hammered Tat Hilltop by a huge 48 shots to earn another crack at Seymour VRI. Nardo de Petter's rink by 23 shots was decisive. Minor Premier's VRI are three of the top four skips in Division 4, so they are a formidable unit to conquer. This will be a ripper contest with VRI winning by a few shots. Yeah, look, I think VRI will be far too strong. You know, that just that stat that you mentioned there, that three of the top four skips in the competition, I think that'll be a bridge too, over, uh, too far to overcome for Kai. You know, even though they had a confidence-boosting win in the preliminary final, I think Seymour VRI, and this is, I think, that's their second top side or their top side. So um, I think they'll be far too strong. Yeah, I think VRI pips this one. But, um, yeah, that Kai Abram side down on the bottom green on... Uh, Saturday, they just they took control early. Mm. They, they didn't let go. They they um, certainly didn't give the Bulldogs a sniff at and, all. And Tad Hilltop had been up for a while, like they'd been in a purple patch of form, and it was probably there. They were due for a bit of a letdown, and Kai just didn't give him a sniff at all. So, uh, but yeah, VRI for me, um, as you said, too strong across the board. Yeah, that's unanimous. Division three, Seymour bounced back with a vengeance to eliminate Stan Ape from the race by an impressive thirty-nine shots. Courtesy of Max Hammond's rinks, 18-shot victory in Biggles Brown's 15-shot rink win. The Gambia have surprised everyone with their performances this season and Seymour are the only side, and Seymour are the side under the most pressure after last year's failure in the big dance. Rob Page is a champion bowler and on a speedy uh, Shep Park Foundation green, the, the conditions will suit him down to the ground. And with Rob Smith, Glenn Weverell, Des Fothergill and Fiona Smith and company, they'll extend Seymour. But Seymour's overall class and depth with Robbie Baldwin, um, Max Hammond, Biggles Brown. Dale Salick. Dale Salick. I'll just, um, and I think their front half is a bit stronger. We'll get them over the line. Yeah, look, I, I remember my favourite golfer, Phil Mickelson, had lots of near misses in majors and then finally in the 2004 Masters broke through and I remember the commentator saying before he sunk the, the winning putt on the 72nd hole, is it his time? I think it's Seymour's time. They've had lots and lots of near misses and I think you know, even though playing at Shep Park, it's probably been a little bit of a bogey venue for them. I don't think they... Um, have gone as well on our quicker grass greens, but I think it's finally their time to win Division Three and step up to back up to Division Two. It just has to be. Uh, that, you know, I'd, I'd like to say that they deserve to be a Division Two side, but you don't deserve it until you win it. Um, but I think they can this week. It's it's you know probably the the qualifying final was one out of the box, but maybe it was another loss that they had to have that um, you know 
prick the haunches a bit to say, well, actually, you know, even though we've probably been even stronger this year, that mm. um, yeah, it's still not just going to happen. So yeah, uh, I was confident that. Uh, their performance on Saturday uh, will bode well for this weekend and they'll get the job done by about 20 shots for more. Yeah, well, so that's unanimous, Seymour. Division 2, Yaroa proved the pundits wrong mm. with a convincing win over perennial grand final of Shep Golf by 14 shots, two rings each. But a commanding performance by Yaroa skip Ken Sutcliffe, who dominated against Wayne Gribble's rink, who incidentally was uh, skipper of the year, Wayne Gribble's rink. Uh, was a catalyst in the overall victory. Andy Houston's rink won, as did Richard Warburton's and Tim Gribble for Shep Golf. Kai have been the best team all season and boast a cavalcade of former Division One stars in Red Ropsini, Preddy, Horsler and Denham, to name just a few, and should prove too powerful for a determined Euroa side. The one... Uh, interested onlooker in this game will be certainly anyone involved with Marupna because uh, obviously it'll have a big bearing on... You or know, anyone potentially involved with Marupna. Yeah, that's right. Pros- prospective recruits. Um, look, I'm I'm going with Yeroa to cause another upset here. I, I was surprised that they were able to knock off Shep Golf given that Golf had dropped a couple back. Um, Graham Thorne, Neville Manton, who qualified. So they played Division 1 in the first week of finals because they weren't playing. They could come back and play twos. Paul Truen actually ended up playing because Graham Waddell was a late withdrawal. So, you know, they were quite stacked, Shep Golf. And Yaroa with the, the old tried and true, um, you know, the, the, the marvel that is Ken Sutcliffe just... You know, you look at the degree of difficulty of, you know, obviously the depth that Yaroa's got compared to Shep Golf and other clubs and what he's, the results he's producing, and we'll touch on that when we do top 20s and things like that, is just incredible really that he's able to drag him over the line and I think they can go all the way again against Kai, even though they're, they're pretty stacked as well. Yeah, to me, I think Kai, Kai will be too strong and I think this is, this is probably the one you mark down a, a, around the four for mine as, as the one that the Bombers will definitely win in, in my eyes yep um but yeah kenny Sutcliffe. Uh, i think i said last week that it'd take a bit of magic from him and he uh, he pulled out all the party tricks and the rabbit out of the hat so uh, i think if he's got it in him again um he can certainly provide some sort of sort of beacon to look to for the other three rinks but um i think consistency across the board um even if he does win by 10 or 15, I think Kai can cover it. I think the beauty of Yaroa is they go into these sorts of games thinking there's not really any pressure on them. No one's expecting them to win and they just play bowls, whereas Kai's probably been the benchmark all year. And as you said, the one we expect them to win, um, you know, so Kai really th- uh, Yaroa really thrives at that situation where no one thinks they're expected to win and they, they just bob up each time. Yes, uh, it'll, be, it'll, be a great, it'll be a great game. Yeah, I won't underestimate Yaroa. But I think, um, like Tyler said, Kai's got the cattle and they should prove superior on the day. Division 1. What a preliminary final we had at Shep Golf where Kai came from behind to snatch victory by two shots in the last end between Denzel Cartwright and Mitch Sidebottom. Denzel led his team brilliantly with young Charlie Boswood outstanding in the second half. Josh Cartwright was also on top in his position Brett Bright had a great game leaning for Mitch Sidebottom and he couldn't have bowled any better, Brett Bright. He probably tapered off at a finish. But Rob answered his opponent, was thereabouts all match in opposition and had bowls in the head, which um, Kai capitalised on. The rink draws for the big dance are intriguing. Oh, so this has been done? 
Yeah, they've been done. I sent you a thing. Ah. The rink draws for the big dance are intriguing. Oh, they agreed to do it. Yep. And That's if good. Cartwright's rink can limit Orr's influence and likewise fields restrict Foley's performance, Kai will be hard to beat, as I predict Rainer and Beatty to win their respective battles over Johnny Gribble and Chris Ferguson. So can you just go through the rink draw and then we'll touch on a couple yep. of things? Um, well, we've got Grand Orr's playing Denzel Cartwright. Right. Fields is playing Brett Foley. Yep. Rainer's playing, sorry, Rainer is playing Gribble, Gribble. Johnny Gribble, and Jeff Beatty is playing Chris Ferguson. All and right. the only change for either side was Jockey McKinnis back in. Yes, and for golf. Rob Sandy back out. Back into the twos. All right, first thing, the preliminary final for, for me, when you look at great comebacks, I look at, you know, Alfie Langer coming out of retirement for State of Origin in 2001. Your Mob Essendon Tyler against North Melbourne in 2001. Tiger Woods winning the US Masters from nowhere in 2019. And you'd have to put Kai against Tally. They were gone for all money, I thought, early on. 14, eight, I think it might have got to 18 at one point. And you just thought um, Tally weren't going to relinquish a position like that. To And the only glimmer of doubt I had was a few weeks prior, um, Tally were in a similar position against golf. And they squibbed it in the second half and golf come over the top. I think they were about 20 shots up and they lost overall, come down to the last end. I don't know whether Kai referred to that or whether they knew about that, but you could feel over the course, and and, um, I was having backwards and forwards with Tyler and and yourself, Brian, they always sort of felt that they were in it and it would get back out to 16 and then they'd get a number and it'd be back under 10. And that momentum really ebbed and flowed. And then probably from end 90 onwards, I think they hit the um, lead in the 90s somewhere. And you just thought they were going to come over the top. And then Tally held them, held them, and it come down to the last end there with Cartwright and side bottom. But it was a real coming-of-age moment for me for Cartwright. I know he's had some um, disappointment in big finals before, and we'll touch on that with looking ahead to the grand final. But the way he controlled his rink against Mitch Sidebottom with some of the bowls that he played himself, um, you know, that was the real decisive rink for mine. Glenfields did a really good job cutting back against Mark Ryan late on as well, which was pretty good. And um, Adrian Pantling needed some magic on the last end to ensure his, his um, unbeaten record stayed the same uh, against Jeff Beatty. But the Cartwright rink was the one for me. It was three or four ends behind with due to the number of dead ends. And... In terms of winning winning a final, winning a huge final and your rink being really important in that overall result, this was the one for, for David Cartwright for me to, to really lift his side into a grand final. For sure. And when I got there, it was the margin was that 14-15 shot mark to tally and, and it, it looked it, it looked comfortable to mm. me. And, and as you said, Kai just, they kept digging, they kept finding. Mm. I think for me, the two important ones were um, Josh Cartwright, two, two ends in a row, he stepped on the mat four or five down and two ends in a row, he handed the mat back over to, to Denzel, um, you know, one or two down or one or two up. He, yeah. he delivered in big moments mm. in, in those last couple of ends, from what I saw, in big pressure situations. Yeah. And the other yeah. one for me was Brent Rayner's rink. I think he has such cut through because the, there's a lot of steady bowlers across the, the Kyabram 16. Yeah. You know, Glenn Fields is, is someone, he was like the Terminator behind Mark Ryan there. At, at one point, he just kept coming and just kept coming. And he wouldn't let go. 
And the same with Beatty as well. He, he he didn't go away. He picked up a number, but he's not he's not up and about shouting. He's not up and about you know yahooing. But but Brent Rayner has that, and and I think that's what you need against golf. You need that cut through, and you need that ability to to just sort of. Um, to, to get the eyes on you mm. and take some pressure off your um, teammates. And look, he's a genuine match winner, there's no doubt about it, particularly with his draw bowling. And, and that um, combination of him and Connor Truen, I think it sort of rained, pardon the pun, rained Connor in from wanting to play the big Hollywood drives, the big um, le- sort of Larry shots that, you know, work from time to time, and that's part of his game. But I think with Rainer's draw game, there's been less reliance on that, um, which has proven really good. And look, hands up, I, I was a scared about moving Josh Cartwright to third to his to his father. They hadn't had a lot of success the previous year when they were at Hilltop, and I I just wondered whether that that um, relationship would work in a, in a big final, and it, and it did this time. But look, um, Brad Orr's rink, which we'll touch on in our grand final preview, the, the task doesn't get any bigger than that this this Saturday. No, look, uh, that's the best final I've seen Denzel play in, the best game he's ever played in a final. And the way he controlled his players when they got on the mat, he's saying to young Charlie Boswood, now make sure you get your delivery away nice and smooth. Just concentrate on your delivery and um, his encouragement to his son Josh and was just terrific. Considering their leader, Ansett, was beaten, when your leader's on top, that should give the other side yes. an advantage. Yep. But they... they uh, they nigger, they nullified that yeah. by the way the second, third, and the skipper played. And look, um, Mitch was under a lot of pressure all day. I thought Mick Hanna and Joey Lear were were, were pretty poor, um, yes. you know. And I think that's probably been the case for the past two or three games. And the alarm bells were sort of there, and um, it sort of came to fruition. I think you know they dropped two fours in a row there not long after the break, and that was crucial um, in terms of Denzel's rink getting out to a to a big lead, which was obviously crucial in the overall result. I want to mention Jacob Cartwright as well as second to Brent Rayner. He's in proved out of sight this year. I remember a game last year and he was pro- probably wasn't ready um, when he was playing a couple of Div 1 games at Hilltop last year. It was probably a bit before his time. Um, and look, um, he's obviously kept growing, kept improving, and you can see that he is a ready-made Division One player this year, certainly. And that, and probably that's a result of having a lot more better players around him at Kyabram and feeling more confident. Certainly Brent gives it, fills him with a lot of confidence, and Connor's quite good with the younger players as well. So he was really um, important as well as second in that ring. I want to touch on Tally. Where do you think it leaves them? I mean, they were devastated on Saturday, I think, to lose that one. They really wanted another crack to defend their, their premiership in the grand final. It would have been the trilogy against Shep Golf. Where do you think they go to next year, Tyler? Um, their, their Div 2 and Div 4 didn't make finals this year. You know, to me, they'd only have to lose sort of maybe three or four players and their depth would be suddenly stretched a little bit. Yeah, I think it would be, but I, I'm not... I'm not... I'm, I'm happy to give them a pass. It's, it's mm. like... You know, the 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 run in the form that you look at and you you give it away just because there's a few outside influences that might not have been in their um, in their direction and I think the green was a big issue this year not being mm. able to play at home and not being able to train at home yeah hopefully that's settled by next season I think there's a few uh, not to push them into retirement before their time. But I think there's a few Northerners cricketers that might uh, turn coat into tally group and bowlers within the next couple of years. I think that ability to, to stay stable and to mm. stay where they are um, is probably there. Yep. But I think they still need a couple of more um, just to be 
able to stay in that top two or three? Well, the question marks I'd have, and look, I've been led to believe that most of the, the group that played on Saturday are keen to go around again. But, you know, you've got, you know, Kyle Pugh and Brian Hogg travelling from Benalla. You've got Adrian Pantling travelling from Wangaratta. Um, you know, obviously Liam Crapper was there last year travelling from Bendigo and, so, and Matt Robertson. So they've always sort of had guys from outside the tally area. Most of the, their side are based in Shep. So how long can they keep sort of relying on that? for um you know not that i'm expecting them to have a side full of tally locals but um you know they do have some outside players coming in so whether that is sustainable long term and how long will they want to stay together i think they'll be fairly hungry to try and stay in that top three i mean they were clearly third best this year um just to probably as you mentioned two or three off the the top two um but whether they can keep that core together remains to be seen i think Yes, look, I think Tally may lose a few players. Um, I did hear after the final that Joey Lear probably has uh, got a few, um, he's struggling with a few um, fitness problems and that hampers your game. Yeah. He, he, he's done a great job. I, he run through he run through the head half a dozen times. So he was close, but normally Joey would have got those shots or sat the bowls. And... I think there may, there may be a few changes out there next year. I don't think they're going to drop right away. But uh, this was a big opportunity to go back-to-back, but we all know how hard that is in any sport. Well, the thing about Joey is he's been the Pied Piper out there. You know, he was crucial to getting Ryan. And then, you know, side bottom comes on board and, um, you know, then doors eventually. So he's very influential in terms of getting that group together. And what the culture that they've built is certainly... Um, allows them to, to bring in players who, you know, fit that culture and, you know, they've got a really good core there. So if they can maintain it, they'll certainly be thereabouts. Uh, do we want to preview the grand final yet or do you want to do top 20s? Oh, we can do the top 20s All if right, you like. and then we'll go to the Alan Matheson Shield. All right, Brian, this is um, much much debate between us two each year. Um, it, it, look, I probably struggled from my top nine were pretty clear cut. And then from 10 to 20, I sort of could have put them in any real order. Um, how did you go with it this year? Yeah, look, I, um, well, it's never easy. Yeah. I mean, we all have opinions on players and it does vary. Yeah. Um, you might think uh, Joe Blow's a better bowler than somebody else, and I disagree. Uh, Dave Hardy, the old, the old mate Dave, who's, Unfortunately, passed on. We had some great um, debates about who should be in our team, and uh, and this will be no different. Yeah, look, I, the thing that I give a lot of weight to is pennant records. I don't sort of look too much at past reputations and um, you know results in tournaments and GV events and things like that. I'm looking at just the current pennant season. Look, th- those things come into it maybe if I'm trying to decide between A or B, but looking at pennant records and things like that and who they've beaten, um, and also degree of difficulty. Like, for example, someone who might play for um, a bottom four side, if they've won, you know, eight or nine rink wins for the year, that's obviously harder than someone playing for Shep Golf because you're just playing with more ta- less talent at a club that's in the bottom four. So those sorts of things as well. Run us through yours, Brian. You can go first because this is your baby. From, tw- uh, from 20 to 1. Start at 20. 20 to 1. I've got Graham Myers at number 20. Yep. Now, Graham wasn't in my original 20, but we won the tournament today and he played fantastic. Yep. In the, He's in my 20, so, yeah. He was just brilliant, some of the shots he played. Yep. And, look, Silky, he's a, he's a good mate of mine, but he deserves to be there. Rightio. Um, 19. Glenn Fields. 18. 
Peter Lasseur. Okay, 17. Paul Warren. Uh, 16. Chris Ferguson. 15. Connor Truen. 14. Tim Hancock. 13. Greg Schilling. 12. Ken Sutcliffe. Wow, spot on there. 11. Colin Power. 10. Jeff Beatty. 9. Paul Nichols. 8. David Cartwright. 7. Adrian Pantling. 6. Brent Rayner. 5. David Dawes. 4. Mark Ryan. 3. Mitch Sidebottom. 2. Brett Foley. 1. Brad Orr. All right, that's pretty good. So, um, all right, I'll go through mine and then we'll discuss some things that were different. 20, I had Brett Gunning. 19, I had Guy Manigan. He's the one that could go with a bullet, but um, I'd like to see him maybe skip next year um, because, you know, playing with David Dawes, you know, um, you know, you're expected to win a lot of games, I think. Jeff Franz at 18, third to Pantling. Uh, 17, Cole Power. 16, Paul Warren. 15, Jeff Beatty. 14, Chris Ferguson. 13, Graham Myers. I thought he was terrific coming back and playing third to Paul Nichols this year. Um, showed what a quality player he has been. 12, Kenny Sutcliffe. We had identical, I think. 11, Connor Truen. And I think the biggest thing Connor Truen did this year was swallow his pride and go back to playing third to Brent Rayner rather than skipping. I doubt Kai would be in the grand final if he was still skipping. That's that's my thoughts on what he, he's achieved this season. 10, Paul Nichols, Shep Park's best skip. 9, I reckon you left this bloke out. Greg Fitzpatrick. Now, he um, reached, I'll look this up, he reached 30 shots in seven of his nine wins, skipping. To, compa- to compare, Brett Foley only did that six times and he won 10 games. And Stanhope only won four games. So he has to be in, in the top 10 for mine, given his degree of difficulty and the depth that Stanhope has compared to the other sides. Eight, Mitch Sidebottom. I dro- he dropped a little bit for mine, given his final series. Two disappointing rink losses, wasn't as good as he has been. I know he won the GV singles, but finals probably let him down. Seven, David Cartwright. He probably went up in my estimation based on the prelim. Two big rink um, finals rink wins. Lifted Kai into the grand final as we touched on. Um, six, David Dawes. Five, Mark Ryan. He was probably one I had a bit lower as well, but two um, vintage finals performances from him. Um Four, he's a bit Clark Keating like Mark Ryan. He doesn't do much in the home and away season, but come finals, he um he come he comes good. Four Adrian Pantling, eight and nil, eight and no skipping. I would have loved to seen what he was capable of if he played the whole year. He's as impressive as I've seen sort of in recent years. Three Brent Rayner, the Rain Man. Um, he's he's Kai's genuine match winner on Saturday for mine. Two Brett Foley, which is identical. I think and one Brad Orr. He's still the big show for mine. And look. Won him the the qualifying final off his own, off his own bat. So um, pretty similar at the top end, aren't we, Brian? Yeah, the player that's the most obvious I've left out is Greg Fitzpatrick. Uh, I actually speaking to Greg on um, the midweek grand final, and he gave a lot of credit to his team. He said they were a settled rink and yeah, Barry Fletcher and yeah. very modest sort of guy. He and is, I, yeah. And it, oh, I did consider him, but I I probably didn't take as much count as Pennant as. Um, Tim Hancock's performance in the champion yeah. of champions. You got four bowls, but still, he's had a great season, and so did Chris Ferguson. And Chris, since he's come in skipping after playing third, has performed pretty well. So, yeah, he, he's unlucky. And John Stokes, yeah. Guy Madigan, Josh Warren and Nick Boyd. 
and Brendan Boyd are a bit unlucky too. Yeah, they are in my consideration as well. Who just missed out for you, Ash? Uh, look, I I had twenty seven trying to fit into twenty. I had the likes of Peter Lasur, Greg Schilling, Rob George, Paul Beecroft as a leader, led very well in the rink that I was playing in this year. Um, Scotty Adams is another good leader. Jason Carter, Joey Lee, he, he was probably in there, but then the last couple of finals as well probably counted against him as well. But, you know, always a very subjective task and um, we don't mind doing it, do we, Brian? It's, um, no, it no. creates a bit of fodder and no doubt probably someone will say, oh, what about this person, what about that person? And that's what it's all about. It creates good conversation. Let's move on to the big dance, Brian. We'll be rinkside on Saturday at Stanhope for Kyabram versus Shep Golf. Give us your thoughts on this one. This is probably the matchup I guess many expected going into the season. Um, probably the matchup we wanted in terms of the ding dong battle. Um, where do you sit on it, Brian? Well, I touched on it before with my preview, review, review, and preview. I think the rink draws, the way Cartwright performed last week. I think if he can keep within um, three or four shots of of Brad Orr, I'll pick, I predict Brad Orr will win his ring. Yep. And and the same with uh, Foley, with Brett, yep. Axel. I think uh, Jeff Beatty can um, can restrict him. Yep. Oh, it's Fields, sorry. Fields? Fields. And that's decisive. I think Fields can restrict him, Glenn Fields, um, to, say, half a dozen shots. Yep. And then they and, need the other two. And then two I to- believe... The other two, the form Rainers in the way he drew out there, um, he can he can win his rink by double figures, mm-hmm. say ten over Johnny Gribble, whose rink's been struggling a bit. Yeah, and I think, uh, and the other one, Ferguson and Ferguson and uh, Beatty, Beatty, Jeff Beatty will can defeat Chris Ferguson by half a dozen shots. So, so that gives Kai a margin of about four shots. Well, look, it'd be come to be expected. I mean, round four, golf won 89-85. They only won one rink, and Foley's was the decisive result there, 31-15 over Cartwright. In round 11, Kyabram handed golf their only loss of the year, 90-82. to They won three rinks to one that day, and Cartwright was decisive, 24-15 over John Gribble. And then in the qualifying final, we know that Brad Audrey shot with the last bowl to seal victory, 92-89, and he bowled Glenn Fields, 36-14. You may, uh, Glenn Fields' rink is crucial for mine, I think. Um, you know, I think they're still a little bit susceptible, as is the John Gribble rink for Shep Golf. And looking at the rink draws, there's the potential there for a big result either way for mine. Um, I'm, I, I note the changes for Shep Golf side from last year's grand final side. So last in last year's side, they had John Hallam, Brad Robinson, Glenn Power, Ash King, Connor Truen and John Foley. This year they've got Colin Power, Matt O'Connor, Brett Gunning, Graham Thorne, John Gribble, Alan Dub. That's a fair turnover. That's six players in f- from last year's grand final side. The one thing, the one thing I'd like to mention about the Orr and Foley rinks, they'll they'll be have a point to prove. I think on Saturday, they both went down last year in the grand final against Tally when they'd been dominant for most of the year. I think it was Brad Orr's first loss for the season against Liam Crapper. So I think they'll be wanting to put on a show on Saturday. And the, the, the all-cartwright one is, matchup is an interesting one for me because I still have memories of that big matchup they had when, um, probably about five or six years ago when well, I think Brad Orr led about 20 to nil or something. At like, Tatura, at Hilltop. At Hilltop. Yep. 
Um, and Cartwright just had, had no answers for him that day. And somehow Kai was still in with a shot and they only lost by two or three shots overall, even though a rink lost by 18 or 19. So I don't know whether Ori will drop, touch on that or draw on that or mention it to his team or whether it's in the back of his mind. It'll probably be in the back of Cartwright's mind, given that he's got two inexperienced kids, Josh Cartwright and Charlie Boswood playing their first grand final. So that is an interesting little storyline going into it as well. My prediction, I, I, I can't go past golf for me. I think um, just they're really hardened in these big situations. They've got the, the best two players in the comp, I think, the best two skippers. So I'm going for them to – I reckon they'll win three rings to one and win by about 15 shots. Yeah, well, as I said, I've got Orr and Foley combined 10 up. Yep. Rainer will cover that. Yep. And I think Beatty can get up by four. So yeah. I'm going – I've changed my tune a bit. I'm going for Kai Abram by four shots. I think they've got the cattle um, to uh, go to um, defeat a powerhouse and we know how good golf have been. So, uh, but I think they can get the job done. Oh, I think it's golf for me. I agree with Ash that um, it's, it's probably three rings to one. I think Rayner could get a hold of Johnny Gribble's rink, but mm. I think just as equally, um, or Foley and even Ferguson uh, over Beattie, I think can have strong wins. My my concern would be for Kai that um, that or Cartwright rink will finish at least five ends after mm-hmm. everyone else, yeah, well, probably yeah. more. Spot on. And and for all of that, um, f- for all of what I saw on Saturday, that Josh um, and um, Charlie handled the pressure that that will be turned up to a hundred when you've got every eye in the joint on you for the last five ends. Mm-hmm. Um, not just every bowl, but every movement, every mm. every every um, thing that that you do on that green for those last half half an hour almost. Mm. I'm expecting it to be nearly. Uh, and I think that's where all will will we'll make the gravy. And look, even um, even the encouragement of your teammates in that situation can be overwhelming for not just a young player, but anyone. You know, when you've got all eyes on you and everyone's saying, oh, great bowl and this, that, you know, oh, you know, drop short or whatever, no matter if it's coming from your teammates, that still can be a, you know, a vacuum that you can easily get swept up in. So, look, I, I don't know, what time's the game start? One o'clock? I reckon they might as well just tell that ring. Or look, you you both start at one thirty because we know you'll be last to finish. So we'll leave the, we'll leave you at the stage to you and let the other three finish. 12.30, I think. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I go back to um, the grand final, the, the almost the last day before COVID uh, lockdowns where um, Orr was feeding off the, the comments from the crowd and um, against Nichols that day, I think it was. Shep and Park, yep. Yeah, it, it was, um, you know, he he cuts through that vacuum and he cuts through that white noise and he feeds off it. Mm. And his rink does as well because they, they follow mm. him and they feed off him. But I'm not sure whether that will be the same, mm. um, especially for the, for the, the younger kids who are, um, experiencing something like this for the first time, and yep. obviously Saturday just gone was was big. It was huge. It was a wonderful performance. Mm. Saturday coming, it's going to be a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I sort of bump into Braddy's daughter started at my primary school this year in, in prep, and I see I've seen him at daycare a couple of times. It's interesting to see him just you know in that week to week. 
But I, all I can see is him on Saturday running up up and down the green, you know, chasing a, chasing a weighted shot like Rob Perala. That, that's that's the context I sort of see him in. You see him during the week, you know, doing pick up and drop off and things like that. It's it's hard to imagine that that's what he's like on Saturday playing on the big stage in the, in the Bowles Grand Final. But um, Brian, we're going to be there. Do we know what rink we're streaming, or we just know the rink draw? No, we'll be either uh, either in the middle of the two greens or over on the. On the far side, it depends what rinks they allocate. Whether they come in one or two from the. Oh, I know what I'd like. Where I'd like to be, you'd like to be Ore and Cartwright, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, it'd be good. Put, it would put, be put, put them on the edge, and we'll uh, we'll be rinkside. But they, it, it, we can't have any control over that, of course. No. It's the same with um, the Premier League. Yes, streaming would have been nice to see Ali Forsyth playing Sheriff, but it didn't happen. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, it's been another wonderful season of After the Jack. Uh, uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us, but uh, thank you especially to Ash and Brian for uh, coming in every week and uh, musing with me about uh, <laughs> the Golden Valley playing area weekend and midweek pennant. Uh, any final words, uh, fellas, ahead of the weekend? Oh, look, it's it's an exciting time to be involved in, in Golden Valley Bowls and, look, where, where I feel privileged to have this platform to talk about it and, you know... Um I'm looking forward to being there on Saturday. If you can't make it out to Stanhope, tune in. Um, you know, we'll, we'll enjoy calling the action and hopefully it's a great spectacle. And, um, yeah, thanks for another season, Tyler, for, you know, supporting us in what we do and giving giving a platform and a profile for Golden Valley Bowls and hopefully the listeners out there appreciate the work we, we put in. Yeah, I'd just like to thank, uh, reiterate that, thank Tyler and McPherson Media and the Shep News for allowing us to um, have this bowl show through their medium and I'd like to I'd like to thank them both for their contributions. Ash uh, he's been a breath of fresh air to the commentary over three years and Tyler's uh, wisdom and his and his little bit of control over me. It's been he's, um, he's banter, yep. Yeah, he's banter. It's been uh, fantastic. And also I look the forward guests. I look forward to this every week and the guest uh, probably it is hard to get guests this time of the year when they're participating in finals. And you don't want to have um, players that just lost a final coming on. So I think we've had a good range of guests and interviews this year. So I'm, I've been very happy with the uh, format and the program. Well, thank you, listeners. Uh, and uh, we'll see you out there on Saturday. That was After the Jack, a McPherson Media Group production.